0: Um, my friend but also kind of my boss because he's the director of this place please welcome Pascu QQ Kevlin <laughs> yeah, I hope your expectations are really low because I'm also feeling pretty rough um, I, I, I'll do my best with this um, one of the things about this that I've enjoyed when when I've seen it is that um, it always feels quite heartfelt and and that's great and yet today there's been some real comedy up here and I haven't got any comedy really in me Um, it's it's not really what I do Um, in fact I don't do this at all Um, I I did some balloon debates recently because I got brought in at the last minute and they needed the filler and that was me I tend to fill a space (laughs) fairly well so I'll, I'll have a go at this um so there's a bit of a mix up. Uh if you look at the flyer for the next three stories live, there's some fake news. Uh and it says it's on the fourth of eleventh, which is tonight, and it says the theme is heroes. So this tonight my story is about heroes and it's about checks and balances. <laughs> do you like the way I segued into that? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone think I do this for a living? Um <laughs> Flyers are really important to my living, actually, because um, otherwise I can't run a venue without accurate information being out there. So it will ch- teach me to check it better next time. Um, so, if you ever wondered what happened to um, uh, th- those that were born sort of during the summer of love and all of that in the 60s, and there's some people here that may have been there, and there's definitely some children from that period and some grandchildren from that period. But this is, this is what a child, uh, this is what a love child looks like. I was, I was reminded. <laughs> As as I'm still reminded regularly by my mum, I am a love child. And um, (laughs) we got old and grew beards and became apathetic. And uh, so I I, I have the enviable position of working here at Norwich Child Centre and working uh, regularly uh, with, with a lot of my heroes. And there's a story here that I'm hoping will work. So I'm checking my watch. Right, okay, here we go. So uh, my, my parents were, were, were the real deal. Um, my, my mum was an absolute space cadet. She was fantastic and uh, an artist. And uh, she was in uh, Paris for a while. And uh, she wrote poetry and she, she, she did lots of lovely things. And she was the most amazing, soft, gentle human being to, to be around and still is. My father, on the other hand, was a scow scally. So if any of you kind of know what I mean by that, he was from Liverpool, and he was a bit of a rough diamond. And um, he, was, he was okay in his own way, but he was probably really good as a, as a person to know out and about, but not really cut out to be a dad. It wasn't his thing, really. He liked to party, and he liked to be out late, and he liked to do his thing, and we were kind of there. So he was uh, much more Jack Kerouac, when my mum was sort of a bit more Bob Dylan. And that kind of sums, sums them two up in some ways. And uh, so growing up, uh, music was an incredible part of my life. It was constant. Um, I, had, I had exposure to amazing people, but amazing music all the time. People would be coming around our house, lots of people, uh, chilling out, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, 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 and music would be constant. And so I might be going to school in the morning, Stepping over, little bodies crashed out around the living room. Um, and, you know, there'd still be some music on in the background. It and was, it was just always um, quite lovely, that. But music, for me, I, su- I sucked it up. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. I soaked it up. And um, all the time I'm trying to find some music that might upset them. I needed my own music, not just their music. And we all understand that, I think, in some shape or form, be it Elvis Presley or, or uh, you know, um, The Dand, wherever it is. But you're looking for something that you can kind of say is your music. So the first band, the first band that were mine, were Echo and the Bunnymen. Um, it's like 1981, I'm sort of 12, 13 years old, and I found this, this band with their first album release, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited. It felt good, it felt... Dark. It felt anthemic. It just suited me, and they wore great big long overcoats. Wore Ian McCulloch wore great big long overcoats, and I thought he was the coolest thing, and I still think he's the coolest thing. And um, so I, I had this, this moment where I'm trying to present my music to my parents, and they, they did not get it. They didn't like it at all, and um, so that was interesting, and it was it was awkward, but it was it was great because I could go in there with my LPs and put them on. And I had some time, that was my band. And people were fairly respectful, apart from my parents, particularly my dad, really hated them. So let's go on a little bit, and so they're one of the bands that have stayed with me. I first started working in venues 20 years ago, and I'm um, at Colchester Arts Centre, and we managed to secure uh, a warm-up date for Echo and the Men. Now at that point, I'm working on the floor, and so when the artists would arrive I would meet them, I would talk to them I would settle them in, I would introduce them to everybody and make sure that they were comfortable and happy I've got Ian McCulloch turning up with the Bunny Men, and it's a big thing for me it's a really, really big thing and I don't like meeting my heroes because they're probably going to let you down a lot had, I'd been in the business a little while then and McCulloch turns up and I hope he's not here And he turns up um, late, he's got a 1970s Bentley parked up out front. He's got a fur coat that goes from here to his ankles, dark glasses. He looks every bit the rock and roll hero that I want him to be. He comes in, sound checks, makes a bit of a fuss, tries to score. You know, he's rock and roll through and through this guy. And he did not let me down. It was an amazing concert. Uh, I didn't have to take care of them that much. He just came in with his band, blew the roof off, and at the end of the gig, said it was one of the best gigs he'd ever done. and was incredibly happy. And um, he said he'd be back in touch. About six months later, I get a phone call for me. Uh, The guy on the end of the phone says, Hello, Pascoe, it's Mac. Hello, Mac. Yeah, I want to book a date in. Mac. Uh, McCulloch from the Bunnyman. Right, Mac, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've got Ian McCulloch on the phone for me. <laughs> so we do a date, and at the end of that gig, again, he just doesn't disappoint. It was brilliant and beautiful. And he's hanging out, and we turned, we turned the night around, and we did a, um, we did a nightclub afterwards, and he hung, hangs out, and he's in the middle of the floor dancing was just a couple of people around him. So Bunny men tunes and all sorts of indie music. And people around hadn't picked up that they're in there dancing with McCulloch. And I'm there the whole time, going, oh God, I hope he enjoys it, I hope he enjoys it. And it was it was great. And he was he just didn't let me down. Um and I thought, well that, that that's great. That's something I can move on from. So let's go forward to about four years ago, or uh, three years ago. And Rosie, who works here, um, some of you will know her, she said, we've got a chance to do a date with him. McCulloch It's just on his own. He's going to tell some stories and he's going to do some, some songs. And I was like, right, okay, let's book it. Let's do that. He's really cool. He won't let us down. We'll need to be on our okay, game, but he's really cool. He came. I don't have a role now on the floor. That's quite difficult. Because like, I just do spreadsheets and applications now. <laughs> And occasionally get to book things. Um and I thought, oh, I've got nothing to say to him, he's not gonna remember me, it's like fifteen years ago. And uh so he comes and he does this he does this show. So he's 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 there. And I can feel him over me now, he's there. <laughs> and so I don't wanna let you down, Mac. And um and he does this and he you know, and he's dark glasses, there's hardly any light on him on the stage, it's just him with an acoustic guitar he's got brandy in one glass milk in another glass <laughs> uh, and it's it's amazing it's it's really good i'm thoroughly enjoying myself about 3 months before uh, mac played the gig here my dad had died and i'd never really reconciled with him. we had like 12 years where we didn't speak to each other and then he'd moved to norwich and we'd started to try and build a re- bit of a relationship again and uh, he got he got you know he, he He fell down drunk somewhere, and it all went badly wrong for him. But, uh, or very badly wrong, (laughs) Uh, he ended up dying. So there I am, McCulloch's on the stage. I'm in the audience. It's the first time I've been around another Scouser, since my old man's gone. And I'm just listening to this gallows humour that Scousers are just the best at. And I'm enjoying the night immensely. And there's this one story that I'm going to tell you, because... It joins a couple of heroes up, and it's hopefully the balance. Um, it tells the story of Bowie. So he says to the audience, is there, any, is there any songs you'd like to hear me do? And somebody shouts out, can you do a Bowie number? And he said, Bowie? How posh are you lot? It's David Bowie. <laughs> and so he said, yeah. He said, I'll tell you about when Bowie met me. He said, um. <laughs> he's a scouser. He said, I'm 19, I'm in New York City. And one of his people come on and said, do you want to meet David? And he said, yeah, you know. And he said, what the fuck do you say to David Bowie? He says, it's David Bowie. So he comes over and he says, you all right there, Mac? And he said, uh, yeah, I'm all right, Ziggy. <laughs> he said, oh, don't call me Ziggy. And he's gone, well, you know, you're always going to be Ziggy Stardust to me. And so they start having this chat. And then he reaches home and he says, Can I have one of your can I have one of your tabs? And he says, That's a Marlboro red. And Bobby goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lights up. He said, didn't seem to do him any harm at the time. <laughs> now the audience in here. <laughs> yeah. Bowie hasn't been dead long either. <laughs> the audience is silent. <laughs> and nobody knew whether to laugh or cry. And there's me up the back at the sound desk. And I burst into fits of laughter, thinking everybody's going to come with me. (laughs) Uh, And they didn't, because I get a Scouse sense of humour. And he's just like, oh, come on, lighten up. So that was a real moment for me, with him sharing this story about him and Bowie. And God knows the effect that Bowie had had on this guy in his career, and the effect that Bowie had on, I imagine, a great number of us. But it was just Mac telling this story, from a Scouse perspective with that gallows humour embedded. So I get home, I'm halfway home, I'm the Tesco's on Deerham Road. I'd never mourned my dad. I wasn't particularly necessarily sad to see him go, you know, it was quite tough. Um, And I hadn't had that moment. And I sat down and I thought, that's what I miss. I miss that gallows humour. Nobody could do it like him, my dad. So the last proper conversation I had with my dad was uh, you're like, duh how you doing and he's laying there on the bed I don't I fucking look like I'm doing something? <laughs> I'm on my <me> deathbed <laughs> checks and balances for your heroes thank you Pasco <laughs> Thank you so much, and thank you for stepping in. Let's go. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by L.J. Hope Productions, Norwich Art Centre, and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.